0: The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I wanna get into the word this morning. I really love getting into the word for all of the things that God's word brings into our life. Uh, the idea that God is ministering to us corporately as a, as a congregation and individually, personally, it really excites me. I mean, that, that's something that I think is really amazing, that we don't get together and have some kind of academic exercise in order to try to achieve a higher level of Christianity. Rather, we have a relationship with our God who loves us and is committed to raising us up in the way we should go. It's why songs that we would sing, songs like Good, Good Father and things like that can have such a, a, a impact on, on our emotions when we sing them. We, we need that kind of leadership and headship in our life, and God offers that with love and mercy and grace and uh, absolute perfection. As we get into the Word, that's the mentality that I have, that we're being led, we're being directed in the way that we should go, and this morning is, is no different. But here's a few things that we're going to find as God leads us through the Word this morning. One, we're going to find what Jesus gives and what that is. I mean, what he's giving and and what it means, what it means to us. Uh, You know, obviously, Jesus becomes the generic answer to all things when it comes to church. If you've ever operated in children's ministry or anything like that, you'll you'll see that. I mean, I've led children's ministry for a really long time. In fact, I I loved it, I enjoyed it, and and for some reason, it was just kind of the the thing where, where it was productive, and I never really asked for it but it just kind of happened and it was great I think the kids liked it because on occasion we would blow things up and light things on fire and it just really you know worked so and there's candy there's candy with children's ministry so I think that's why I was attracted to that as well so but we had a really good time with with children's ministry but children's ministry you will you know lead in, into the word and you will, will will you know introduce things from the Scripture. And no matter what, a a kid will answer Jesus to almost any question you ask because children are really smart. And they know that Jesus is always the right answer, right? I mean, no matter what you ask, it's Jesus. And you can't say, eh, wrong. I mean, Jesus really is the answer. So in in this case, we're going to see what Jesus gives to us and, and what it is. It's important to see beyond just the generic to see actually why Jesus is doing what he's doing in our lives, and we'll see that very clearly. Another thing that we're going to find is what God is doing. Now, he's at work in my life, he's at work in your life. He's doing very specific things that are specific to your life individually, but he's also doing things in every believer's life for a purpose, a shared purpose, a common purpose, so to speak. And we're going to see one of those in the word here so that we can embrace it and get on board with what God is doing. Uh, and then the third thing we're gonna find is, is what comes with being born again? What comes with being born again? I mean, for, for many people being, being born again or becoming a Christian is, is a, uh, a wonderful and powerful experience. For some, it, it's more of, of where things wrap up and finish, but really and truly it's meant to be a starting point. It's where we are born again. Born meaning like a beginning. My life began, obviously, I was born and was a tiny infant, and I've grown into the man that I am today, and that took time and experiences and and changes, lots of changes, you know, and things like that as you grow and develop. So we'll see the, the process here that God's called us to and what comes with being born again, and it's important to keep those things connected. So what Jesus gives and what it is, if you have your Bibles... I'd like for you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 17. John, chapter 17. John, chapter 17 includes a, a wonderful passage of prayer in which Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. He's praying for, for all of humanity. And if there ever was a time where you needed to be lifted up and, and, and feel your worth, feel your purpose, uh, your, your value as a human being... If there ever was a time where that was needed, uh, I believe you could find that worth and value in John 17. The idea that Jesus would pray this prayer for you is really a a wonderful and encouraging thing. So included in this prayer, this is just one part of it, uh, Jesus offers up these words, and I'd like to read them so that we can uh, take a look at the things that he's praying here, uh, specifically when we get to verse 3. But as you get to John 17... Uh, Jesus opens up his prayer and he says, Father, the hour has come. All he's basically saying there is it's, it's time. And he's referring to the time of, of the cross, the, that propitiation or him taking our place on the cross. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, uh, that, that to all whom you have given him, he may give to them eternal life, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the Christ whom you have sent, so if you read through that, it's easy for for those words to maybe cause us to to trip and stumble where we're just struggling to to read through it and get from one end of the sentence to the next, if we slow down and we ask ourselves, what is he saying here, we'll we'll catch the, the reason why these words are being presented, I mean, Jesus is saying, hey, it's time for the cross. And you got to understand something when it comes to the cross. This is a, a point of purpose. I mean, this is something that God is doing, and he's doing it for you. He's doing it for me. So Jesus is saying, hey, it's time. You know, uh, I've fulfilled prophecy. I was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. I, I grew up and, and ministered your kingdom, was baptized by John, uh, the blind saw, and the, the lame were restored and, and leapt, and, and the deaf were, had their hearing restored, the signs, the wonders, your kingdom has been preached, all of these things, now it's time for the cross. He's acknowledging the time, and then he acknowledges a, a, a couple of things that we really need to note, and that's really the, the why. That God gave Jesus the authority to grant eternal life. And then he goes on to acknowledge what that would be what that would would look like, what it would mean, or what makes it up. And in this passage, as he's praying for you, he reveals it very clearly when he says, this is eternal life, that they, now the they is me and you, may know you, and the you is God the Father. Everything that Jesus is doing on our behalf is to bring us into fellowship with our Heavenly Father, to bring us into fellowship with God. To open up the way for us to, to connect and, and be uh, 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 in fellowship with our maker. I mean, he's acknowledging this when he's acknowledging the time has come for the cross. The cross is present so that life might be given. And this is life that they may know you and that they may know the Christ whom you've sent. This is a really interesting thing to, to think about and to ponder. That all of this has is, is got a purpose and an intention. It's very easy for us to be so fixated on the the means that we can miss out on the end. The means being how something is done, the end being what is done. So for us, when we think about the cross, and rightfully so, many of the times we we ponder the cross, our mind goes to forgiveness. That's a really great thing, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That's 100% right. The shed blood of Jesus on the cross is for the forgiveness of sins. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that statement. Now, what I have to ask myself is, is that the end or is that the means to the end? Well, for us, it's the means to the end. It's the shed blood of Jesus that opens up the door for the forgiveness of sins so that something can take place, so that we can have fellowship with the Father, the Father who is holy. Where if there's any sin or any corruption, it can't even be in his presence. For the first time ever, with the cross of Jesus Christ, we can have fellowship with the Father. There's a few things that that are in the scripture that are just kind of strange if we don't take a look at them and ask why. Here's here's what I'm talking about. Have you ever considered uh, an element that takes place after the crucifixion? That being a veil being ripped in two. I mean, an interesting fact, kind of a, a, a piece of history there that can't be denied, that confirms a, a number of things. But when we ask, why would that take place? Why would God be so interested in tearing that veil that it would be a, a part of history? Why would that not just be, you know, an afterthought? Who cares? Why would that be something that he would do, but that he's communicating something, that he's speaking clearly to you and to me? That veil was a barrier between men and God. It was a separating uh, uh, barrier that separated men from God. Upon Jesus' crucifixion with his bloodshed, now the freedom from sin and corruption, that veil was ripped in two. And it's not just a matter of coincidence. It's not just God saying, yes, that's my son, but rather it's a revelation of what the shed blood of Jesus provides for us. That holiness that makes a way for us to have fellowship with God. That barrier that once separated us from him is now gone. And it's important for us to see that that's the point. The point of the cross of Jesus Christ in my life is not just to wash away my sin, but rather to wash away my sin so that I can fellowship with God. That's the end. The shed blood of Jesus is the means. The end is fellowship with God. That's why when Jesus prays this prayer, he's revealing to us why all of this is taking place, so that we could have life, and he identifies life as knowing God or fellowship with God. Now, you'll see this confirmed throughout things that Jesus said even before this prayer. I mean, there's a passage of scripture where Jesus is talking, and as he's talking, he says a number of things, and and it's really worth pondering and thinking about. I mean, if somebody were to, to uh contact me and say, hey, Pastor Preston, there's this guy that, that you know, we, we think you ought to have him into the church to speak, you know. I mean, uh, he, he he heals the sick, and, and and in the name of Jesus, he casts out devils, and and in the name of Jesus, he 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 performs these miracles. We think you should have him in. Well, that could be really intriguing where you begin to think, wow, this guy is is really something else, and 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 this guy is, is living in, in Christianity, as we see in the scripture, we, we should have him in. But rather, Jesus would identify these things as kind of no big deal. This isn't something that's sought after. It's not something that is identified as a, a measure of success. But rather, it simply just comes with the territory of being a a one who would understand and know the authority of the name of Jesus. When Jesus is talking about these things, he's not identifying them as great achievements, but rather he identifies them as potential distractions. And it's kind of hard on the ears to hear that, but you'll find what I'm talking about in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus makes the comment that not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. In fact, he goes on to to clarify and say, in fact, there's going to be some who will say, did we not, you know, heal the sick in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not perform many miracles in your name? Well, I mean, that sounds like a pretty awesome resume as a Christian to me. But then Jesus says his response is going to be, depart from me. He identifies the individual as practicing lawlessness and then identifies because I don't know you. I mean that's really kind of a a head scratcher to me it makes me want to stop and just think wow how can this person who lived a life that could be described as casting out devils in the name of Jesus healing the sick in the name of Jesus performing miracles in the name of Jesus how can this person be cast aside and identified as lawless But Jesus would identify the priority that was missed, and the priority that was missed was not living a mechanical life as a believer, but rather having a relational connection with the Father. And in this case, also the Son, as he states in John 17.3. It's important for us to understand that that Christianity is about connection, connection with the Father. It's about fellowship, fellowship with the Father. It's about the relationship that was breached by sin and corruption where what was a, a holy fellowship was interrupted by unholiness. Now holiness restored by the blood of Jesus and therefore the purpose for that being relationship restored. That our lives are called to fellowship with God. In fact, let me give you a passage of scripture that's one that can be foundational with that, that thought, that idea, that truth. 1 Corinthians 1.9. 1 Corinthians 1.9 reads like this, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I mean, all of the work that God has done in our lives has been for the purpose of us having fellowship, relationship, contact, and connection. God didn't just perform an act on the cross and then issue tickets to join the Jesus Christ club. Rather, he opened the door for us to engage with fellowship with him, to connect, to relate, to have a, a relationship that would extend beyond simply acknowledging existence, but rather having reciprocated communication and involvement and influence. I wanted to give you a passage of scripture here as we move forward. And I want to identify something, not only that God has, has, is doing, but something that God's done as he's removed sin and its corruption from our life. I mentioned before we're going to find what God's doing in our lives. And I want to find that here in this passage of scripture. If you have your Bibles, it would be 1 John chapter 1. I want to begin looking in verse 5. 1 John Chapter 1, verse 5. It opens with these words, God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the dark, we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want to stop there and, and talk about this passage of Scripture for just a moment because there's two things that are listed there at the end of this passage that are very important and they're very powerful things. I mean, When I consider the, the shed blood of Jesus, I mean, you have the entire work of the cross. You have all of the, the Word of God, the prophecy fulfilled, everything that you'll see on greeting cards coming in December, you know, the, the manger and all of the, the things that we'll celebrate uh, just here in a couple of months. All of these things, their purpose coming to full fruition and all of it having, uh, uh, being revealed right here, what God's doing through that. I mean, one is the cleansing of sins. That's something that we, we preach often. It's something that we speak of. It's something that, that becomes our reaction to the idea of Jesus shedding his blood on the cross. Jesus died for me so that my sins could be forgiven. But we see something else attached to that. We see something connected to that, something that is, is obviously of importance because it's being revealed as being connected as to what God is doing in our lives through Jesus, and that's having fellowship with one another. I mean, what an interesting concept to think that the cross and all of the work of Jesus Christ in our life is for more than simply the cleansing of sins and the introduction of holiness, but rather it is for fellowship. And then when I consider why would that be important to have sins forgiven in order for there to be fellowship? Well, to have fellowship without strings attached and without uh, the, the risk of abuse, having all of the corruption that would exist in the hearts and the minds of men cleansed is a, a, necess- a, a necessity. It's absolutely important for us. As we consider the work that God's doing, what I want to offer is the fact that God is doing something great through Jesus in every one of our lives. The introduction of holiness is not simply so that we can stand independent and be considered holy, but rather the introduction of holiness is so that we can love one another in an environment where love can have its way. Without there being corruption, without there being manipulation, without there being strings attached, without there being any aspect of of men that would get in the way and corrupt what is so perfect. And indeed, God's love is perfect. The idea that everything that God's done on our behalf is to introduce fellowship, fellowship with God, fellowship with Jesus, and fellowship with one another is something that I want to offer as an important priority to have in your mind and in your heart. The reason why God's done this work in my life is so that I can fellowship with him The reason why God's done this work in my life is so that I can fellowship with Jesus. And the reason why God's done this work in my life is so that I can fellowship with the people of God. God introduced the the complete deliverance from sin and corruption all in Jesus so that I could fellowship with him, so that I could fellowship with Jesus, and so that I could fellowship with you. I want to give you some results of, of fellowshipping with God. And it's meant to just reveal how important and how necessary that fellowship is. Where there is fellowship with God, you'll see some wonderful results. Where there's fellowship with with Jesus, you'll see wonderful results. Where there's fellowship within the body of Christ, you'll see these results shared and held in common. One of those results is going to be freedom. Freedom from from sin and, and corruption and those things that would hold the body and the mind captive. I'll uh, give you a passage of Scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Where the Spirit of the Lord resides, there is liberty or there is freedom. I mean, having fellowship with God, relationship and connection with God is to open up the door for freedom and liberty to exist in our lives. Having fellowship with God in in our relationship with one another, with God being at the foundation in the heart of our fellowship with one another, is to open the door for freedom to exist in our connection, in our fellowship. Another wonderful result of having fellowship with God is direction. Direction. Obviously, people need freedom. We, We desire freedom. We long for freedom. We love freedom when it is present. And we desire freedom when it is denied. Another thing that is important and necessary for life is direction. To have a sense of purpose, to have a, a sense of identity, to have any awareness that God is doing things on purpose in your life is extremely liberating. It's the freedom from absolute chaos, just the, the, the absence of, of any sense of being anchored or founded on anything that is true. And to have no direction is to really be abandoned in in a state or a sense of of absolute uh, uh, chaos and distraction. But what we'll see here is the direction that comes through fellowship with God. The passage of scripture that you can stand on for that is from the gospel of John chapter 10, verse 27. John 10, 27. It reads like this. My sheep, now this is Jesus talking. My sheep hear my voice. Now Jesus has identified himself as our shepherd. And he says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice as I give them direction. They obviously see where I'm going, and they follow me. To be able to follow Jesus is to constantly have direction. Now, this might just seem kind of elementary, but everything I've ever done in my life where I didn't know what I was doing was absolutely terrifying. I mean, it's a little bit revealing of clay feet. I'll ask you to, to share in that vulnerability. You don't have to raise your hand or anything, but in your thought. Have you been in a situation where maybe you felt in over your head? Maybe you didn't know what to do or how to do it, but you know that you had to do something. I mean, I can kind of simplify this and just tell you that anyone here who's in any kind of relationship like marriage, marriage is one of the, I can't believe that you can get married without like passing some kind of exam, right? I mean, you ought to show some measure of competency before you can enter into a relationship like that. And the reality is, you know, all of your ideals are shattered once you're thrown into a a place of responsibility, whether that be in business or relationship, just no matter what. I mean, what I mean by that is, like, I really thought that I could have told everyone how to do it until I was asked to do it myself. Marriage is another good example. I could have written a book on how to have a great marriage, and then I got married and realized I need that book, right? I mean, I could have written a book on how to raise kids. I knew everything about raising kids, and then I had kids. And you realize, like, oh, my God, you know. I mean, these are things that we we deal with, and they're just kind of how we're wired. But when we consider that we have direction in Jesus, that Jesus would live his life, I mean, everything about his life is to qualify him to be a good example or a good leader to be followed. He said himself that he came for that purpose. The the word identifies him as the apostle. I mean, that word apostle is not one that we use in our everyday language, but he is the example to be followed. The word says that he was even tempted with every temptation so that he could be a good and faithful high priest or leader, so that we could follow him. He's never, uh, we're never going to deal with or face a situation or a scenario that's outside of his wheelhouse. Everything about his life is qualifying him to be in the position of leadership in our lives. And when we have him leading out in front, we are never without direction We always have the direction laid out before us, and we're set free from that chaos. What's a wonderful result of fellowship? Uh, Here's another result of fellowship with God, and it's vision. I mean, not just eyesight, like being able to see, but, but vision for beyond what's right in front of you. If you're like me, oftentimes the things that are right in front of you can be terrifying. The things that are right in front of your face that you you are seeing right in front of you, right here, right now, can be things that seem uh, uh, too big or or, or too powerful to be handled by your current uh, situation or your current circumstances. But being able to see past those things is really what having vision is. And the ability to see past those things most times is the key to getting through those things. Having fellowship with God opens up the door for vision. I'll give you a, a passage of scripture here, and we may have to read between the lines a little bit, but I think we're, we're all able to do that. You'll find where I'm going in, in a couple of places. First of all, I want to identify something from 1 John 1.5, and that's that God is light. That's what 1 John 1.5 says. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. Then as you continue reading in 1 John, by the time you get to chapter 2, verse 11, you find this passage, and this is the passage that I really want to share with you. Uh, The one that is is at odds with his brother is in the dark, and he walks in darkness. and He doesn't know where he's going because darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, what I want to apply here is, is the fact that in God, there's no darkness at all, that God is light. When I have fellowship with God, I have fellowship with light, and it's light that will help me see where I'm going. But if I'm in darkness, if there's that absence of fellowship with God, and I'm walking in the darkness, then I am condemned to stumble around. I mean, fellowship with God isn't something that's meant to sound uh, uh, absolute or or something that is meant to sound like it's achieved through uh, one-time requests or kind of signing up for, you know, God's fellowship newsletter. Rather, this is about involving God in the day-to-day aspects of your life. I mean, just imagine how you have fellowship with friends. Now, I'm not a social media guy, but social media has kind of caught on, and it's a way that people communicate. So let's just draw from some examples. Imagine that you had a relationship in your life that you called for advice. That would be someone that you had fellowship with. Maybe something that you posted on social media and somebody offered their advice, whether you invited it specifically or not. Somebody that you have fellowship or contact with. When we talk about having fellowship with God, we're not talking about shaving your head, wearing robes and flip-flops, and living on top of a mountain eating grass like a goat for the rest of your life. We're talking about simply inviting God into your day-to-day activities. God, I'm dealing with this, and I'd like your counsel on it. I'd like your advice on it. I'd like to know what you say about it. Fellowship. Fellowship with God, opening up the door for freedom, opening up the door for direction, opening up the door for vision, and then finally, I want to close with this: opening up the door for faith. Opening up the door for faith. Now, I struggled with the right word to put here, and faith, I believe, is the right word, and I'll explain why in just a moment. But I mentioned to you what comes with with being born again, and and there's a liberty and a freedom that comes with being born again, all because of the relationship that we now have with God. I want to give you a few passages of Scripture here as, as we close, and, and we're going to have to, to use a few of them together here. One specifically comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It reads like this, Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, that's important. Remember, we're talking about knowing God or having fellowship with God. It goes on to say that the one does, that does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, there's this wonderful result when we know love. When we know love, uh, we have the foundation laid in all of the, the circumstances put in place to walk out a life of faith. A life of faith being a life that can, can stand in the face of fear and anxiety. I mean, I, everything in me wants to consider it as, as, as courage. And honestly, I think faith and courage can be interchanged often in our vocabulary. And it won't change the meaning of what we're talking about, right? I mean, you could say something like, to get out of the boat and walk on the water would take great faith. Or you could say, to get out of the boat and to walk on the water would take great courage. And I don't think anyone would get up and walk out of the room and say, well, the meaning's different. I mean, meaning's really the same. But in this case, when we live out a life connected to the love of God, we open up the door for a life of faith. A life of faith that closes the door to fear and anxiety being in the driver's seat. And the reason for that is not just because we say it's that way, But because the way things are structured, that is how it is. There's a wonderful result with having fellowship with God's perfect love. And that result is revealed in 1 John 4.18. 1 John 4.18 says that there is absolutely no fear in love. For perfect love drives out all fear. Drives it out. Casts it out. Now, there's some things there that bring great comfort to my life. I mean, it doesn't say that everyone that that knows perfect love is never afraid. It just says that when perfect love is introduced, fear is driven out. There are plenty of times in my life where I face and deal with circumstances where there's anxiety present or there's fear present. Now, I can either choose to address those things in a number of ways that, that I may come up with or a number of solutions that I may find, Or I could introduce the one solution that's guaranteed to leave no room for anxiety or fear to be in charge, and that's introduce the fellowship with love. Or in this case, since God is love, introduce fellowship with God. Fellowship in that situation, fellowship concerning that circumstance. God, I'd love your involvement in this. You paid the highest price so that we could be connected, and I am calling upon that connection now. Will you bring your counsel and your advice into this situation so that I won't be led by fear? I want to be led by love. There's a wonderful promised result with love. If you want to take it down for your notes, you can take it down. It's from uh, the book of, of 1 Corinthians 13, where you see a list of the things that describe love. You know, love is patient and kind, and you have the list there. By the time that list is complete, you have this statement that is an absolute truth, and that is that love never fails. I mean, it just goes on to to reveal to me that that to to walk in a life that's free from uh, the failure and the anxieties that are attached to failure, though I could make a list of things that I may need, there's really only one thing that has that promise attached to it, and it's the love of God. And because God is love, it's God himself. To introduce God into any aspect of our life is to introduce freedom from anxiety, from fear, and to open the door for absolute success. The point of the cross is to have fellowship with him, not to simply sign up for his club, but to engage with him, to speak to him, to take our needs to him, to relate with him and to be open to His counsel and His direction and response. And it's that that is described and identified as eternal life. Not something that needs to be, you know, uh, we are on hold for, that we're waiting for, but something that we're called to be living right here and right now. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray. I want to pray and I want to ask God to do something in our lives specifically For many of us, fellowship with God is a part of our life i mean uh, there's a great risk that you run when you are, are ministering and you are delivering a word to a congregation such as champions and and you know the the kind of uh, slang for it is preaching to the choir, so to speak. This is a wonderful group of people that I personally know to to be those that that seek after fellowship with god and, and and are in a state of connection and communication with them and have that reciprocated. The prayer that I want to pray is for that to simply increase. I mean, if it's not present, if it's something that needs to be imparted, well, then an increase would do just fine. If it is present, then an increase will just make it all the more present. But to have fellowship with God, to see fellowship with God as the point and to introduce that as a priority in our pursuits and in our prayers is to open up the door for that freedom, that liberty, that vision, that direction, and, and that faith that we so necessary or so, uh, so greatly need in order to walk out our lives as we've been called to walk them out. So there we stand, I want to pray. I want to ask God for something great for, for me, for you, for us together. You're welcome to be in an attitude of agreement or or simply in a state of receiving. But I want to ask God for something in our hearts and our minds this morning to increase fellowship with him. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your word. I thank you for the presence and the anointing of your spirit. We thank you for the work that you have accomplished on our behalf in Jesus. And let our understanding and our awareness of the, the cross of our King Jesus not just be limited to the elementary forgiveness of sins, but let us see the purpose behind the forgiveness. That you would wash us and that you would purify us so that we might have fellowship with you. And let us embrace that, that end, that, that purpose. Let us cooperate with that purpose. That we wouldn't simply indulge and engage in fellowship by accident or on occasion, but let it become a part of our day-to-day living. That our life of prayer and connection with you wouldn't be an empty religious ceremony and ritual, but that there would be friendship, that there would be relationship, that there would be an engagement that could only be described as the fellowship that you've called us to through Jesus. And let the results be powerful as they are promised. Let there be liberty and freedom and let there be direction and vision. Let there be faith that would transcend all of the the anxious situations and circumstances that everyone deals with and faces day to day. Let the results bring you honor and glory as your people walk in fellowship with you and ultimately see the victory that your word promises. Let it be evangelistic that those around us would see how we would conduct ourselves and carry ourselves through trial and through problems and issues. And let it lead those around us to to see and to witness and to be drawn to you. And help us to be willing to, to give account for why there's victory and why there's breakthrough that we would simply acknowledge fellowship with you as opening the door for that life of faith that you've called us to. We thank you for mercy and grace. We thank you for forgiveness. Above all else, we thank you for the purpose of that forgiveness that we might be in fellowship with you. We rejoice in that in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.